Greetings in Jesus' name, brothers and sisters. I am delighted to spend this exciting uh, Easter with you, a message that I'm excited to give to you. Uh, this is a special day for us, and I want to make it special. Even though our circumstances are different than normal, we, we normally love to be together and uh, celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ as a body, and unfortunately, we can't do that right now. But nonetheless, that doesn't change the fact that there's something for us to celebrate. Now, I, uh, for those of you who uh, are, are used to listening to me, you know that I love to teach from the Word of God, and you know more than anything, I love to, to read from God's Word. And today's message is going to be perhaps a bit more like those messages, one of those messages where I spend a lot of time just reading to you from God's Word. I believe it is the most uh, powerful and most uh, 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 decision uh, making, uh, decision changing thing that can I can bring into your life. It's not my convincing words. It's the words that the Holy Spirit inspired uh, that are for us uh, and for our lives. And and especially at the end of a week like this, when we have been focusing on the the the, the what seems to be a crushing defeat for Jesus. He entered the city of Jerusalem uh, and he was he was riding triumphantly and they were hailing him as the king. And then it seems as if the, the things just spiral out of control. And if you're tracking along with our Holy Week devotionals, you, you remember that he began to talk about the fact that he came for the purpose of dying. And he came uh, to, uh, to, to lay himself down and, and then he was betrayed and, and he began to say things that just didn't make sense to the disciples and he was arrested and he was accused and he was beaten and he was denied by those same disciples uh, and he, he was left alone and finally he came to this terrible, terrible end where he was crucified. He was put to death and laid in the ground. And those who were his disciples were left waiting were left wondering if everything they had hoped in was all for naught, was all a mistake, was all a mirage, was all a lie to them. Interesting that in our current situation, in our time right now, we are in the middle of this, this pandemic, this panic, this, this spread of this virus, and we're being told with increasing intensity to stay home, to not do anything else, to not get together with people, to disrupt the entire uh, 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 for, uh, routine of our lives, and, 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 and to keep to ourselves and to uh, really have this fear induced in us. And I've been encouraging, and maybe my way of encouraging has not been very helpful since I've been reminding you that perhaps it is this very place of weakness that God wants us to be in. Are we really okay with that? Are we really willing to let the death of Christ uh, reside in our bodies? Maybe we are left waiting and wondering, how long is this going to go? Is everything I'm believing in, the God I have been trusting in, is it a lie? Was it a mirage? Was it untrue? Well, let's get something squared away because Jesus, they laid his body in a tomb and then we get to read these glorious words. And this is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. These words, my friends, here is the truth. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, they being some women. They went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, 
Two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Let me just go back to those words that those heavenly visitors uttered to them. The question that so pierced directly to them. The question that we must ask ourselves. It depends on where we're looking for a solution to this whole problem. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Perhaps one of the greatest things, if I can insert it just a bit of an aside, one of the greatest pressures against us in our culture around us is this pressing idea, this pressing ideology that we as humans have the answer to our needs inside of us, that we can reach inside of us and we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and we can find the good that's in there and we can, we can change the course of humanity. We can, we can correct things that have been broken, that are wrong, that are evil, that are, that are bringing destruction to the earth. It's called humanism. And according to the very simple question asked to these women at the tomb by the heavenly visitors, it's completely false. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you look for what can give you life among the dead? Brothers and sisters, we are our flesh. We as humans, we are the dead. For the wages of sin is death. And all of us are guilty of it. But this news, this revelation, this began to unfold and undo what had been wrestling around in their heads. The doubt that must have been creeping and rising up. And in fact, just a, a few verses later here, now jumping over to Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 40. As they were talking about these things, as the disciples, the eleven, and all the others were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And again, I point you back to the simple question that Jesus asked them. Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Today, so many years after Jesus said those words, so many scenarios passed, and yet in the end, the scenario is not that unique, is it, for us as humanity? We find ourselves in troubling times with solutions that seem just beyond our grasp with things we can't understand, with forces at play that we can't wrap our minds around, arguing and discussing and trying to figure out and put our finger exactly on what is happening and getting all worked up about what those solutions may or may not be. All the while recognizing that these afflictions, while Paul told us to call them light and momentary afflictions in light of the tremendous weight of glory that's coming, all these afflictions, they seem pretty real to us. This weakness that we don't like seems very apparent to us. Can we really be glad for our weaknesses? Can we really look to the unseen and recognize that those afflictions are working in us or preparing us for an eternal weight of glory? My friends, these words that Jesus said 
He said them on this side of the tomb. He was in the grave. He was dead, but praise the Lord, he is not dead anymore. He came back out and he stood among them and he said, peace be to you. Don't be troubled. Don't have doubts arise in your hearts. For the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes where your hope lies and changes what you trust in and changes how you see things and changes the outcome of your soul's destiny. This speaks exactly to the words that we need to hear. Really, in the, this, this, this Easter message is a continuation of the little series of messages I have preached. Take advantage of the opportunity. Make the best use of the time that we have. Look to the unseen and be glad for your weaknesses. And in all of those things, I wanted to encourage you that when we are willing to do that, when we're willing to, to press into this opportunity, to lay our lives down and to say what you're working in me is for your glory and is for my own good, that your power might be made perfect and, you, and might, might, might dwell in me, Jesus, all of that now comes home and finds root in the, in the truth that Jesus Christ is alive. His resurrection makes a difference in us. And to prove or to show that difference, I'd like to spend the rest of our time reading from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I hope you have the Bible with you. I hope that you are willing, or already opening up but are willing to open it up now and read along because I'm going to spend some time reading uh, not the whole chapter but most of the chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's begin in verse 1. Paul says this to the Corinthians and I read them for you today. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, and here is the first importance, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul is honing in on this truth. It is what I want you to attach your anchor to today. This that I delivered to you is what you can bank on, you can trust on, you can hang on to with all that you have. You can hold fast to it, for it is the thing which will deliver you, which will save you, which will bring you into eternity to your Father, to your Creator God. That Jesus Christ died for your sins. That He was buried, but praise the Lord, He is brought back to life. All of this according to Scripture. And He's appeared, and it's a proven fact that Jesus is alive. He goes on to say a few things about uh, the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and saying that uh, if we claim that, 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 if we would want to claim that Jesus was not resurrected, then it would mean all talk of resurrection would have no hope. And he says, and this, and this is in verse 18, he says that if, if we only have hope, sorry, verse 19, if we only have hope in Christ for this life only, then we are people most to be pitied. But then I want to go to the next verses because he says in verse 20, follow along, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. 
Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. That means God. Everybody but God is, is, is part of that equation that all things go under Jesus' feet. Continuing in verse 28. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Friends, this glorious truth of Jesus' resurrection reminds us that this has great importance to you and I, that we too, when death comes, now we have already spiritually died to our sin, due to our sin, but when death comes, physical death comes, which is a result of our sin, when that comes, that there will also be a resurrection for every one of us, but each in its own order. Jesus Christ first, and then when he comes again, those who belong to Christ. And then listen to these words. For when he comes again, there will come the end. And all things, only at that moment, every kingdom, every power, every authority, everything will be put under the feet of Jesus. And he will submit that. He will give that to the Father God. And he himself will be subjected to God so that God may be all in all. This is what's coming. This is what we await. Let's keep reading. I'm going to jump over to verse 35 now and read verses 35 through 43. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same. But there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. And then he comes back to the matter at heart, and listen carefully. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Listen, 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 listen to these words. This is why I can with confidence for the last three weeks have encouraged you that this opportunity is not for naught, that this pressure, this affliction, this, this, this hurt and this time of, of, of having things just taken way out of our control and this weakness exposing us, it is not for naught. It is an opportunity given to us by God for us to grow closer to him, for us to nestle into him, for us to trust in him, for us to be a witness of who Jesus is for those that need to know because we know, we know that this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory that far outshines all of that that is going to be revealed. That is what is unseen. That is what is waiting. We can in fact delight in those weaknesses. We can be glad for those weaknesses because we know that, that God's grace is sufficient for us. That his power, the, Christ, the power of Christ rests on us when we allow that weakness to be displayed in us when we recognize it is beyond us and we know all of that, we trust in all of that, we take heart in all of that because we see the truth that is displayed here. What is sown is perishable. 
it will die. But what is raised is imperishable. What is sown is in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. What is sown comes in weakness, but it is raised in power. Thank you, Jesus, for coming out of that grave and teaching us, showing us, demonstrating for us that what comes out of the grave, what is resurrected, is far different, far more glorious, far more powerful, far more heavenly than what was put in the grave. Let me finish this then by going, uh, skipping a few more verses and going to verses 50 through verse 57. I tell you this, brothers. I tell you this today, brothers and sisters. I tell you, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, this Easter, we look back, we celebrate what Jesus did, that he went to the cross, he suffered, he was broken, his weakness was completely exposed to everyone to see. He died, he went into that grave, into that tomb, but we celebrate that he's not there anymore, that he was brought back to life. And friends, we celebrate today what that means for us, how that changes our outlook, how that frees us up to not be so concerned with the kingdom we have here and the weakness that might be displayed here or the affliction that might be coming here, but to have our eyes fixed on the one who is gonna lead us into that same resurrection. But having said both of those things, friends, what we really celebrate today is a looking ahead, a looking forward, a looking ahead to the day that is coming and perhaps is coming very, very soon when the saying that has been written here will come to pass. Death has been swallowed up in victory. It is finished, really finally finished. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And all of this has nothing to do with us. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It has everything to do with Jesus. Knowing this, let me read verse 58 because this is what closes the chapter. Knowing this, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We celebrate a resurrection, but not just looking back. We eagerly, we long for, we yearn for, we cannot wait for the day when the true resurrection will take place. When what has been sown in weakness is raised in power to the glory of God, to the glory of Jesus Christ. Oh, friends, 
This is why I can say over and over again, take heart, despite the circumstances around us. I cannot guarantee you it will end well in, in, in terms of this life, in terms of this body, in terms of this shell. In fact, I can guarantee you it won't end well. It was sown perishable. It was sown in natural body. It was sown in dishonor. It was sown in weakness. It won't end well. But when we have yielded and died to ourselves and trusted in what Jesus Christ has done, when we have gloried in the fact that he came back up out of that grave and we are eagerly awaiting that day, then we know that though the end for this, this body in this world, this flesh, is not good, there is a glorious end coming. There is an Easter coming. There is a resurrection coming when what has been sown in weakness will be raised in power. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for the truth of your word, for the way it brings encouragement that we could never, ever drum up on our own, for your spirit takes the word of God and presses it into our hearts and our minds. It removes fear. It brings peace. It brings rejoicing in the midst of difficult circumstances. It keeps our eyes focused and our mind focused and our heart focused where it ought to be focused, and that is on the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who though he was in the very nature, he was, he was, with, he was you, God. He was with you, God. He did not consider that equality with you something to be grasped, but he humbled himself. He yielded to you. He came down to earth in the form of a servant, in the form of man, and having been found in that form, he submitted himself even to the point of death, death on a cross. Therefore, God, you have highly exalted him. You have lifted him up to the highest place that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue will confess. Lord Jesus, we want to do that today for you are the one who has worked this incredible victory for us. You are the one who has made it possible by coming out of that grave, has made it possible for us to know that what has come in weakness, what has been sown in weakness, will be raised in power. We long for that day. We can taste little pieces of it now. We have the down payment in the Holy Spirit. We know bits and pieces of it, but God, we do not know the fullness and the reality, and we will not know until Jesus returns, and we long for that day. We long for that day. As the writer of the book of Revelation said, even so, Lord Jesus, come. And he was looking, he was seeing those scenes unfolding of what was going to happen when Jesus returns. And so much of the focus of that is on Jesus and God. That's where we want to leave ourselves today. Oh, this, is, this, 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 this brings courage to our hearts for how it, it brings refocus to our situation. But we don't want it to stay there. We want our eyes to be fixed on Jesus Christ. For he is the author and perfecter of our salvation. Jesus, we magnify your name. We lift high your name. You deserve every bit of honor and glory we can give you for you have won the victory. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, friends, in light of uh, the message I've given, I thought of this song uh, that I would like to encourage you to watch. It's uh, the song, Is He Worthy? by Andrew Peterson. If you are watching this, so you can just link, you can click on the video that's appearing right on the screen here and uh, uh, watch this video as a good fitting way to close out uh, the sermon time together or uh, for you're listening to the sermon. Just reflect on the worthiness of Jesus Christ. Thank you. God bless each of you.